This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Well, thank you, Ed, for leading us in worship uh, this morning. We really, really appreciate you and all the good work that you're doing here. I want to say good morning and welcome to the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. If you're Visiting with us for the first time, we want to let you know that you are our honored guest and you're always welcome to this church whenever the doors are open. And we say it every Sunday, we believe you've come to the right place because I don't think you'll find a finer church in all of Mission Viejo. Today is a a really, really neat Sunday because we have uh, a couple of former members uh, back with us. Where's Eden? I thought I saw Eden in the back. Where did she go? Did she have to leave? Eden took off. <laughs> Eden Cowart was here all the way from uh, Mountain View, Arkansas. Uh, you remember the Cowart family. Uh, so Eden took off. It was good to see her for a little bit anyway. And then we have Aaron and Lizzie here all the way from Phoenix, uh, Arizona. So uh, we're happy that they're here with us today and we get to visit with them and have lunch with them. So make sure you hug on their neck and welcome them back here. Uh, one other quick announcement before we begin the, uh, the sermon this morning. You've been hearing um, information about this ministry called The Courtyard. It's designed to reach young families within our church. And I'm not going to define what a young family is. I'll let you fill in the blank on that. But we want to let you know that we're going to have a gathering in the courtyard of our building right out there on Saturday or on Friday at uh, 6.30 p.m. We want you to come out. We're going to enjoy fellowship with each other. We've got a place for you to put your babies if you have young children. So you can put them in the fellowship hall. We'll have some people back there watching. And then you can come and just hang out with us as we get to know each other and enjoy one another's company. So we'd love for you to come out to that. Today, as you know, we're going to continue on with our study of the book of Acts. And we're examining the first four chapters, which will feed us through the month of February. In Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus ascending up into glory and showing himself to his disciples. And you remember what he said. He said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you're going to get to be my witnesses throughout the world. So we took our time studying that passage of Scripture And then we see the Holy Spirit actually showing up and coming. The disciples were together in this upper room, and then the sound of wind came and it filled the room, and then cloven tongues like a fire came upon these disciples, which was a group of about 120 people. And then we see this church growing by leaps and bounds. You remember Peter had this wonderful sermon, and the scripture said about 3,000 souls were added to the church. And today, we are going to spend our time reading through and studying Acts chapter 3, which really talks about the healing of this disabled man and its impact on the onlookers. So if you're looking at your, uh, your bulletin this morning, you see the title of the sermon is Onlookers. Onlookers, okay? So if you have your Bibles, open them up. Let's turn to Acts chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 1 through 8 this morning. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. You guys follow along with me. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple 
gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and his ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went in with them to the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Such a powerful and really neat story here in Acts chapter 3. You know that Peter was fresh off of giving his greatest invitational just as I am moment in Acts chapter 2, right? And 3,000 people came and it was a powerful time in our church's history. And Peter and John at this point had to be fired up because they preached the gospel and a whole bunch of people came forward and were baptized. That's exciting for preachers because it doesn't happen too often today, right? We give this invitation. We may have one or two and we think that's a great Sunday. But there was 3,000 people that came and put Christ on in baptism. So there was this awe about the church. They were fired up about what, was, what God was doing. So so Peter and John were, were excited about sharing Jesus. So they go to the temple to pray. And if you didn't know, the Jews really encouraged their members to pray about three times a day. It was kind of this, this uh, encouraging kind of idea that they wanted all the adherents of Judaism to do, to go to the temple about three times a day and to just simply pray together. So as they're going to the temple, Peter and John notice this disabled man outside the temple. Might go to this passage again, Acts 3 and 2. There was this lame man or this disabled man that was carried to the temple and laid outside the gate. And he would beg every day as people were going inside of the temple. Now, if you're a good Church of Christ member, you've heard sermons on Acts chapter 3, right? I heard them all the time growing up. And what I would hear oftentimes when I heard a sermon on Acts chapter 3, it was about the neglect of the righteous people as they were entering into the temple. I don't know if you've heard that type of sermon, but I used to hear that growing up all the time, right? The preacher would say, look, they brought this disabled man and laid him at the temple gate, but never brought him into the church. And church people were so busy, focused on going to worship, that they neglected this man completely, couldn't even give him spare change or pocket change. And that was the sermon that I always heard growing up and how that church members, we need to make sure that we invite people into our churches and take care of them and love on them. However, if you've ever studied Jewish history, you understand why this man was placed at the temple gate and not brought in, right? According to Leviticus chapter 1 and 2 Samuel chapter 5, the temple was to be kept pure and free from disease and 
sicknesses. So disabled people, if you can recall, if you look back at the Old Testament, were not allowed in to the temple. They weren't welcomed if they were disabled or, or sick. And you remember how sick people were treated, in particular if you had leprosy. You remember what would happen, right? You would have to shout out, this, this person is unclean. So disabled people, people with difficulties and disabilities were not allowed in. So the people actually did a very nice thing by carrying this man, picking him up and carrying him to the temple. That was actually a really nice thing to do, to place him at the temple. And so they did this every day. And every day this man would sit and would beg. And there was also another Jewish rule that you may not have heard of that stated that if you were Jewish, you were not allowed to receive financial donations or offerings from Gentiles. Did you know that? So we're assuming that this disabled man was a Jewish man and he had a specific target audience that he can only ask money from. And then on top of that, he wasn't allowed into the temple. And the scripture says he had been this way his entire life. So this disabled man had a really hard life. For 40 years, he was trapped in a condition that he couldn't do anything about. And I'm sure, and I truly believe this, that the churchgoers that were entering into the temple probably did the best that they could do to help this man out. Acts chapter 3 and 6, Mike. And as Peter and John saw the condition of this man, they looked at this guy and said, look, silver or gold I do not have. And you remember back in Luke chapter 9 when Jesus told his disciples, look, when I send you out as sheep amongst wolves, here's, here's what you're going to do. You're not going to take any money with you. You remember that? So Peter and John were really broke. They weren't kidding. They really didn't have any money to give this man. They couldn't give this disabled man any financial assistance. However, what they did give this man, which is so powerful, is that they gave this man empathy and they gave this man their time. Two precious things that all of us can give people. Empathy and we can give them our time. But most importantly, they gave this man Jesus. And if you think about it, throughout Christ's ministry, he helped people that couldn't help themselves. Just think about Jesus. Throughout his three years of ministry, that's all he did. He wouldn't help people that were in conditions that, to where they couldn't help themselves. And he went in and he changed their lives. You see, Jesus, he loved the unlovable. And he welcomed those who were treated as second-class citizens. Jesus was about serving people with special needs. By a show of hands this morning, how many of you have family members that have special needs? Anybody? Or know of someone? Yeah, that's most of us in here. I have a cousin who is uh, special needs, and I love that terminology today, special needs, right? I like that language. My cousin Michael is about 26 years old, and he was adopted uh, by, by my uncle and my, my auntie. Uh, and Michael was a very, very interesting and special case because we believe that his birth parents were uh, drug addicts. 
So Michael came into this world with a big-time disability. We don't know if he has Down syndrome. We don't know what he has, but he has some kind of serious disability that keeps him from functioning as most of us do. So Michael needs help dressing himself. He needs help taking care of his physical body. He can't drive. He can't process thoughts in the correct way. He has trouble in life. Someone has to be with him all the time in order to take care of him. He's a special needs population, a special needs person. And they require special attention. Throughout Scripture, you know what I see Jesus doing? Spending time and blessing people with special needs or people who are in special circumstances, special populations. That's who Jesus ministered to. So if you have your outline this morning, I want you to take it out. And uh, I want to look at Jesus and special needs, okay? So Jesus and special needs. This just dawned on me as I was reading Acts chapter 3. It just, uh, the Holy Spirit was just working here and he just poured some stuff out and I was just looking at it and, and all these lights just started going off here. Jesus really cared for people that had some kind of special needs. So if you have your outline, write, write some of these things down and you'll see this throughout Jesus' ministry, throughout Jesus' ministry. Uh, number one, Jesus healed the disabled. Just think about his three years. Remember what he did when he went around. All he did was heal disabled people. Jesus gave to the poor. We see that throughout his ministry. Jesus affirmed women and children. You'll be surprised at how many interactions that Jesus has with women throughout Scripture. And he's telling them, look, you're okay. I'm here to help you. Life will be better. And then lastly, we see Jesus welcoming other ethnicities or other races. And in my opinion, I call this category of people special need people in Scripture, okay? So that's just kind of my definition of that. So you guys follow along with me, and I'm going to try to bring light to this. Jesus healed the disabled. You remember that oftentimes Jesus was going around doing his public ministry, and he would find somebody that had some kind of disability, whether he was blind or, or deaf or couldn't walk or had an infirmity of, of blood or something, right? And what he would do is he would heal disabled people. Why? Because society treated them as outcasts and second-class citizens. You remember the story of Legion. Legion had these demons within him. He was out of his mind. He was crazy. And Jesus came to deliver him from that. You know what I am so proud um, with our church about? I'm so proud at our church because of a situation that we just had recently with an individual here that had some kind of disability, maybe mental, emotional. Uh, we had a person here at this church, and you guys all know who that I'm talking, who I'm talking about, that would come and 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 be a part of our our worship services and our comfort cafe and our and our Bible classes. This individual had some kind of issue going on with him. Many of you who have been around know exactly who I'm talking about. He was some kind of disability. We don't know if it's a mental thing or emotional or what, but this individual had problems. Instead of our church sticking up our noses and running from this guy and turning our back on him, you know what we did to this guy? We embraced him here. We made him one of our own. 
I thought that was so neat. He would come to Sunday morning worship. He would come to Comfort Cafe. He would be here on Sunday mornings, and we just embraced and loved this guy. And then thanks be to John, John did an amazing job by trying to find this guy the help that he needed. And if I said, if anything, I said, that, that is just, just Christ like right there. And that's what God wants from his children. That's what he wants from his people. And I was just so thrilled by how we conducted ourselves with this man who was obviously troubled and had some kind of disability. I said, that's Christ like. And we know later on this individual got a little combative and things happened, so he had to transition out. But I was just so pleased by how our church embraced this individual. And that's what Christ would do. That's how Christ lived. What else? Jesus gave to the poor. There's a story in Luke chapter 14 where Jesus was with these, uh, these prominent Jews. And he was at their house, and they were having this feast. And he noticed that when people came into this house... Uh, and there was all this important people around that, that some people would pick the, the highest elevated seat at the dinner table. You guys remember that story? And Jesus said, look, when you go into somebody's house, don't look for the highest seat. Don't look for the most important praise. You sit at the lowly seat, and then somebody might take you and move you up to a higher, higher place. And then he further goes on to say, look, if you're going to have a banquet, here's who I want you to invite. I want you to go out into the streets, and I want you to invite the poor, the lame, the disabled. That's the type of people that I want you to welcome. That's what Jesus did. We have this wonderful ministry here called Comfort Cafe, where we get to see our church reaching out to populations of people that are down and out. And I tell you what, I'm just so proud of our church because of that program. Bill, Mary, so many of you, I don't want to list your names off because I'll get in trouble. I just want to encourage you to keep up the good work. And if you haven't come out and been a part of Comfort Cafe, just showing up and enjoying a meal with the people, it's, it's powerful. That's what Jesus was all about, serving those special need, that special population. Jesus affirmed women and children throughout Scripture. And as a church, we make sure, we have to make sure we do that as well. You remember the story of Mary Magdalene, right? You know what her profession was, right? The story goes that Mary Magdalene was, was at dinner with, with Jesus, and she had this expensive bottle of perfume, and she started anointing his feet with this, with this expensive bottle of perfume. And remember what the di disciples said to her, what are you doing, woman? Like, you could have sold that and got a lot of money for it, and then you could have gave it to the poor people. You know what Jesus said to his disciples? Shut up, right? Be quiet. What she's doing is an amazing thing. And Jesus, throughout his ministry, affirmed women and said, I love what you're doing. You're using the gifts and talents that you have in a special way. You keep up the good work. And what about children? Remember the story where Jesus was there and, and some people were bringing children to Jesus? You remember what his disciples said again? Jesus, get these kids away from you. You know what Jesus said? Shut up, right? Suffer not the little ones to come unto me. Jesus affirmed women and children. We have some very special women at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ that do special, special ministries here. I wish I could pull out my list. If I did this, the list would go all the way to the floor because we have so many 
amazing women here that use their gifts and talents in very special ways. And I just want to encourage you to keep up the amazing work. Uh, I was talking to Alicia last week. She hates when I mention her name, so I'm going to do it anyway, though. <clears throat> I was talking to Alicia last week. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had um, family worship where we brought everybody in here together. And during the sermon, you know what we did? We had a puppet show during the sermon. And I was talking to Alicia. She said, in all my years, we have never done a puppet show during the sermon, right? And as I was thinking about it, I said, I, you know what? I never thought about that. But I did notice a couple ones and twosies walked out during that time period because they might have been uncomfortable or it didn't resonate with them. But as Alicia told me that, I said, wow, the majority of our congregations stuck around and they really enjoyed seeing our children sitting in the front and learning. So you know what I know about our church? We affirm our children. We want to teach them. We want to raise them up. So as we had that puppet show, you saw their eyes lighting up. That was powerful. That's what Jesus, you think Jesus would lead while we're having a puppet show teaching kids? He'd say, I just, this is not Church of Christ. This is not how we do things. I'm out. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. And I appreciate us staying and really encouraging our young ones through that. And then lastly, something that is near and dear to my heart, we know that Jesus welcomed other races or ethnicities or cultures, however you want to use it. Special needs populations. That's what he did. Jesus talked to the Seraphonician woman, talked to Samaritans, had interactions with Gentiles. And I want to say this. Just, just bear with me because this might get a little uncomfortable this morning. Jesus was not colorblind. I want you to think about that. Jesus was not colorblind. He recognized other races, you know. I appreciate so much when someone tells me, uh, Jason, I'm colorblind, because I know what they mean by that. What they're saying is, I am not prejudiced, and I'm not judging you based off of your skin color. So when someone says, I am colorblind, I really appreciate it, because I know that's meant well, that's good intentioned. And I think all of us have used that terminology before, I'm colorblind. Would you want your pilot to be colorblind? I'm just asking. What? Right? You, you want your pilot to see everything, don't you? To see all the little nuances. And when I look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was not colorblind. He recognized that there were other cultures and ethnicities that were treated differently. And he had to do something about it, right? That's what he did. As a matter of fact, God created race, didn't he? <laughs> if he wanted us all the same, he would have made us the same. He created us differently. And what we have to realize and know, when sin entered into the world, certain races and ethnicities were treated differently because of sin. And what I see Jesus doing is, throughout his ministry, making sure that everybody is included and treated equally. Jesus never said, you know what, I'm, I'm colorblind. We're all the same and... I'm not worried about race. No, he was very particular about that. And you know what I love about our church that I think is so special? Uh, we have a Spanish ministry here that we support and we get behind and we love. We have Spanish-speaking uh, members here that can't speak the English language very well. So what we have is we have Ugo and Vicky ministering to that population. We know we have a large Hispanic population in this region, so we do our best to minister to that group of people. I would hope and pray that we did more things together, though. Amen? 
More things together as a church family. I know language is kind of tough sometimes, but more things together. I'm proud that our church has this ministry here. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that we support that. And I would say, Mission Viejo Church, keep up the good work. Here's something that's blatantly obvious. You hired a black preacher. Did you know that? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> when I first got hired here, uh, first of all, let me tell you the whole story. The whole story is I, I'm seeing this church that's down in South Orange County and uh, looked like a predominantly uh, white church. And, and I'm this young black preacher. I have a, a white wife, so I think I might have an in with that, maybe, right? But um, that's a joke. Uh, but <laughs> so I applied to this church thinking there is no way that they're going to hire this little black boy. No, no way. No way at all. And then Ken took me out to lunch and we were talking. And the whole time I'm thinking in the back of my mind, do they know I'm black? Do, do they care? Right. So then I get hired and I remember meeting Alicia for the first time and we we're just sitting working in the office. And I was like, nobody said it yet. Nobody, nobody brought up race, right? So finally, I think Alicia and I and Mike, we went out to lunch or, or something. I said, Alicia, you know I'm black. Do you know that? She said, yes, I know that. Why do you keep mentioning it? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You're black. I'm white. Who cares, right? And that just told me something about the character of our church here. We have a special group of people here. We really embody the ministry of Jesus by welcoming everybody. And that's powerful down in this region where we're inclusive of everybody. And we say everybody's equal, everybody's love, everybody's special. But here's what I do know about our church, the churches of Christ. We have a problem with this. Houston, there's a problem. We have a problem with this. When I was a student at Harding University, um, I met Mary, and first of all, I thought Mary was Hispanic, so I, our first date, I took her to Casa Brava, but I, I you know, I figured I'd take her to one of the places, you know, I found out she was Greek later, and you know, it was kind of funny, but um, I had a professor of mine and a friend of mine tell me, Jason, you better be careful on who you marry, Right? if you marry someone outside of your race, you'll never be accepted by the churches of Christ. If you marry somebody that's white, you can't be a preacher at a black church. And if you marry someone black and both of you guys are black, you can never preach at a white church. And that really bugged me. But guess what? I believed it. I believed it. So when Mary and I started dating, uh, I said, Mary, you know, I really like you, but I don't know if this thing can work because you're white and black, and you know, I don't know if this thing can work out. And you know what Mary said to me? She said, are you a Christian? I said, what? She said, are you a Christian? I said, yes. She said, then shut up, right? <laughs> and it's so true, and I'm going to be totally transparent this morning. There's some places where we have trouble going. We're not welcomed at every place. It's so true. We've encountered it before where we're not, we're not accepted completely or fully, or people give us weird looks and, like, what are you together? Why are you together? And a lot of times, Mary and I forget that we're an interracial uh, couple. We don't even think about it, right? So we forget. 
And then when we show up and we realize people are looking at us weird, we don't get it. I'm like, do I have something in my teeth? I don't know what's going on here, right? But I find it so special that a church like this would embrace Mary and I here and really encourage us and support us. And we're doing something powerful here, church. Bringing people from different ethnicities and backgrounds together. And I think God is pleased by that. And I'm so proud to be a member of this church to say that we're doing this. It's special. Acts chapter 3, verse number 16. I'm almost done here this morning. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. By faith in Christ, you have the chance to completely be healed of whatever struggles you're facing in this life. You know, as a result of sin, all of us have to deal with some kind of hardship, some kind of difficulty, some kind of tragedy, some kind of situation. Many of us right now are living in a place that is really far from God. We're guilty. We got a lot of sin in our life. We got a lot of stuff that we're dealing with, a lot of mess, and we just don't feel worthy. We know we're guilty. We made mistakes. We messed up. We're not, we're not good people. But let me tell you that faith in Jesus Christ can fix any and every situation in your life. And that's why we preach Jesus. Jesus can change your life, and the Scripture says you can be healed of whatever you're going through. You can be healed completely, and you can be healed today. That's what's so powerful about the gospel. Whatever you're dealing with, you can be healed completely today. And I hear a lot of people say um, that I need to fix my life or get my life right before I start coming back to church, right? But we know as Christian, God loves you already. He loves you already in your, in your cesspool of mess right now. God already loves you. You don't need to fix your life and then come to the Lord. You need to come to the Lord so he can help you fix your life. Amen? And what I love in verse number 19, this next passage, is he gives us kind of the formula on how to do this. Right? So Jesus came to help these special populations of people, people who were complete outcasts and he says, here's what you need to do. He says, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. The reason I entitled this sermon Onlookers is because this whole situation was happening in front of people and they got to watch, right? And I just think about what kind of impact our church is having. I wonder what people see when they look at the Mission Viejo Church of Christ. What do the onlookers think? They think this is a special church that really embraces diversity, love one, love one another, um, helps disabled people, embraces, embraces people from different backgrounds. Is that what they see when they look at our church? I, I don't know. I wonder what the perception is when people look. What do the onlookers think? Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and at times of refreshing may come your way. I love, I love this simple formula. If you want to get your life right with the Lord, 
You've got to repent. You've got to turn to God, put him on in baptism. And then he says this word that I highlighted red that I think is so neat, refreshing. Does it make you feel good when you hear that term refreshing? Oh, it's so refreshing. When was the last time you used that word refreshing? Huh? Refreshing. I don't know. I just love the word. Um, I used to be a camp counselor at this place called uh, Camp Shiloh which was in upstate New York. So I used to do this during the summer while I was a student at Harding. And we used to go out and we used to have a Bible camp, basically. And we'd take kids from the inner cities, from the PS uh, school systems, and take them up into the woods and and teach them Bible, right? Um, So we were out in the woods. We did like a sleeping uh, retreat uh, overnighter thing out in the woods, right? We roasted marshmallows and uh, you know, the kids were playing football, and, and, and uh, they were starting fires, and we were cooking things, and, and, and it was, everybody was out there, and we just got really dirty that day. I mean, everybody was filthy, and I had teenage boys, right? So the aroma of these boys as we were going back into civilization was horrible. I mean, skunks were running away, everything. It was just horrible, right? These, these teenage boys, they had a funk about them that was terrible. So we went back to the cabins, and we said, yes, finally, we all get to take showers. So we go back to the cabin. Guess what? The water is off. And the water was off for seven days. So these young men were ripe. Ripe, right? I mean, their shirts looked like they were starched. I don't know. You know, just, just filthy. Just filthy. Um, so... After seven days, you know, they try to take bird baths and stuff like that. But for teenage boys, that does not do it, right? They need a deep cleansing, right? <laughs> Eventually, the water was turned back on, and everyone got to take a shower and, and, and clean themselves up. And I remember one guy came up, and he said, I just feel so refreshed, right? So when I think of that term refreshing, I think of complete newness, complete newness. And I think about an excitement. And the Lord says, look, if you come to me, if you repent of your sins, and if you're baptized, I can give you a brand new start. You'll completely be clean, and you will feel refreshed. Maybe some of you here this morning are just burned out by life. Maybe life has just been wearing on you. Maybe you've had a tough go. Maybe you've been mistreated. Maybe you've been, been a slave to this, this situation that you just can't, can't get rid of. Maybe the sin in your life is just bringing you down and you don't know what to do with it. Maybe you're just having a hard go. Scripture says, give your life to the Lord. He can completely heal whatever situation you're going through and you'll feel refreshed. And if there's someone here this morning that needs to be refreshed, we have an invitation song selected. And during this invitation song, we're inviting you to come forward. The church will pray with you, will pray for you, to encourage you, to build you up. Maybe there's someone here this morning that is not a Christian. Scripture gives us a clear formula. Repent of your sins, turn to God, be baptized, have your sins and iniquities washed away, and walk in newness of life. It's a powerful thing. So simple, so easy to understand. Whatever your needs or concerns are, won't you come together while we stand and sing the song of invitation? Lay your